any interest in the g league like whatsoever uh for basketball yeah the the nba so let me explain real quick to people the nba has decided to have the minor leagues basically and put it all under one roof and they call it the g league and uh birmingham has a team and i've i've watched them on tv a couple times and sure it's still amateur basketball but you know it's it's not terrible does it work for you uh, as basketball is probably my number three sport. Yeah, uh-huh. it, 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 it works for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. I've I see seen, I, I, I've seen a few G league games. I'm not, um, you know, I, 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 I can go down to the YMCA and probably see some games that are pretty good. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. Pick up, uh, some pickup games. Yeah. <laughs> some pickup games. Um, some of those, uh, you know, some of those we played ourselves, Jeff, right? I mean, that's that's how you would learn if you were any good, yeah. right? As you go yeah. to the other neighborhoods and then you'd take on those guys and they were like six feet taller than you and they could oh, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay. The first person you see dunk, you already know you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, whoops. Well, I'm in the wrong neighborhood. I'm in the I, wrong uh, neighborhood. I'm not, uh, not going to be able to take it from down the whole game. <laughs> you know, but I have to say that my game in- is weak <laughs> I do not have strong paint game <laughs> so how did you I, how did how did your uh how did your film trip go all, oh gosh yeah yeah uh that went that went great uh we we were down in new orleans for uh five days um we uh we did a series of interviews we visited some locations uh, and this is all for uh, episode three of the docuseries Chasing Jazzland, which, um, you know, I hadn't really promoted it very much, but we did send the link out to several of our interviewees and uh, p- the, the people were very complimentary uh, about it. It was really sweet. Um, uh, and our view count went up a little bit. Um, we just, you know, I think once part three gets done, which we're looking at spring of 24, there's still a few other interviews that I have to conduct um yeah spring 24 uh and and we'll probably push it out a little bit broader you know at that point um trying to get a i guess a, a little bit more uh, of of a view count just get some visibility um because it's episodic it probably won't be like a festival kind of thing um although my editor was we we were having a conversation this past week because she she got to go on the shoot with us which is i highly recommend by the way if you can have your editor with you on set it's really helpful especially in documentary but um uh she said uh maybe when we get episode three done uh we'll do a super cut and just put them all together and and um and i started to think well who am i like terrence malick now you know i'm like stanley kubrick i'm like six hour tree of life yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, it's like, but it makes sense. I mean, you know, she made some good points. So we'll see. Yeah, it was a great trip. Um, love New Orleans. I know you're getting ready to go. You know yeah. that that place has my soul. Um, What'd forever. You eat? Let's cut to the let's cut the shit. What did you eat? 
pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I got um, all of the staples that I would need. So I had myself some raisin canes uh, for sure. Um, I had myself some red beans and rice. Uh, I had some redfish. Uh, I had some crawfish. Um, I had some bread pudding. Um, had lots of a beer, beer. And um, yeah, I mean, I ate well as one would and should when they go uh, to New Orleans. They take their food very seriously. And um, uh, it is a little bit pricey in certain areas, but uh, I didn't really go to the super, super fancy places. I'm going to say, not me, my friend. I'm going to the Verde Marte. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like Get to it find the 24 hour deli. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go to this uh grocery store right here because the Vietnamese make the best po' boys. Uh right. you know, the Vietnamese po' boy, yeah. So uh good stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's um it's always reinvigorating to be in that city. Um, you know, tourists experience it for sure, but it's a different side uh than what I um what I would call authentic New Orleans. Have you have you all in your traverses down there have you been to chicky wawa yet not yet okay you recommended it this trip this this next trip yeah i got yeah i got to swing back by there um it's one of my favorite places jeff i think you'll really dig it and um you know spotted cat of course is another like uh staple spot um you know because i I tend to go for the jazz stuff uh but uh chicky wawa is more in mid-city and it's got a, a little bit more of a diverse um uh, local music scene so i think you'd really dig it um uh think of it as like a refined PH in a way if that makes sense okay. well yeah. there you yeah. go i'm sold and sold it's a good good bill of sale there sir well other than talking about the uh, delicious cajun cuisine uh we talk about film uh, we are lonely phds i'm dr jeffrey hayes he's dr joseph watson this episode is all about horror comedy of course, are in Dr. Watson's favorite month, October. And uh, this week, we've got two horror comedy films on tap for you. Uh, April Fool's Day, the 1986 original, directed by Fred Walton, starring uh, Thomas F. Wilson, Deborah Foreman, Griffin O'Neill, and others. And then uh, we're going to talk about a brand new film from Bloomhouse. Is it Bloomhouse or Bloomhouse? I, always... uh, I usually say Bee House. Oh, just Bee House. Yeah, just Bee House. That's like, just yeah, Bee yeah. From Bee House uh, uh, films, uh, Totally Killer 220, <laughs> 2023, directed by Nanachka Khan, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, used to work uh, the Family Guy uh, route. Yes. If, I'm, if yes. I'm not mistaken. So American American Dad and some American other Dad and all that stuff. We'll, we'll talk about that. I want to lead off though. Let's uh, let's go back to to 1986 to April Fool's Day. Uh, this particular uh, 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 film, the weekend leading up to April Fool's Day, a group of college friends gather to celebrate spring break by spending the weekend at the island mansion of a va- fellow Vassar student, Muffy St. John. And oh boy, things go wrong, and things go wrong in a hurry. Um, this film, when was the first time you you ever saw April Fool's Day? It's been around a long time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this would have been 87 for me on VHS rental from the Big Star grocery store. That's crazy. I, 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 uh, yeah. I, I saw it on, I think, I believe I saw it on cable for the first time around okay. that time. 87 or 88, it was in pretty heavy rotation uh, already on cable because... 
I don't believe it was uh, exactly a hit. I think it made its money back, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly, but back then, you know, just making a profit on these films and, uh, in, in, you know, horror films in general has always been, it's just like, if you make $2 in profit, then you've come out successful on the other end. Do you think that that's safe to say? It's kind of the... Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think um, probably ancillary markets were a little bit, bit more black and white in 86, right? So you could make some revenue off the VHS market and the uh, and the rental market, um, even the sale of VHS sale uh, market. Um, $100. Yeah. VHS tape was yeah. $100. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy because... I remember when that switched and it was, you know, it was like big movies like Titanic, right. Would come out for like on VHS, it was going to come out for 1995. Right. And everybody was losing their minds because it was going to be discounted. You know, it's just because that meant you didn't have to wait for a previously viewed tape to go on sale at a discount cost because it was usually a 90 day window. Speaking from my video store, uh, days of 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 past um yeah you it was like 90 days and then you could pull uh what we called it blockbuster pvt'd previously viewed tapes off the shelf and sell them for profit yeah, did a lot crazy, of crazy 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 did a lot of indie video store owners do that go to blockbuster clear off the discount shelf and then resell it was that a common practice oh yeah i mean uh i know that um my one of my previous employers who was more of a mom and pop shop uh he was well known for uh poaching previously viewed <laughs> copies from did other stores peel, did he at least try to peel the sticker off of it <laughs> yeah i mean we always made it look official but um you know with with our own branding and stuff but yeah it, it was always you know, there'd be like a box from like CBS Fox, right? And you'd open that up and it would be all the, the expected stuff on the on the pink slip. But then there'd be like a shoe box or something, right? And it would have like <laughs> VHS copies of like Faces of Death or some shit, right? And and be like, put this in the inventory. You know, it's like, okay. Oh God. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> I, I, when I was reading up on the, this film this week, I found it interesting that uh uh this film was written by the same writer of beverly hills cop yep danilo bach who hasn't yep. written that many films but hasn't needed to i guess the you know the money made on beverly hills cop and beverly hills cop 2 was you know was good enough but yep. uh i kind of as i was sitting here thinking about it some i was just like you know it's got that same sort of sly humor about it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think that that's fair to say and 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 uh there are, of course, uh, what we would consider today some some offensive, you know, stereotyping. Uh, uh, but you know, again, well, it's the eighties, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, it kind of made sense too. Once I once I was thinking about Beverly Hills Cop, I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, kind of got on a kind of a, got on a street. But um, I will say that this is, I like the first. Maybe I, I like the first half of this film mm -hmm. because, you know, the mystery is set up, the murders mm -hmm. are set up, all of this stuff, sort of this strange, you know. It's like it's like Agatha Christie, right? I mean, it's kind yeah, of set up like, like Tim Little Indians. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, it's right, a Indian right. scenario. Um, yeah. You know, you've got the main troublemaker, Muffy, 
you know, putting all of this into motion. I, you know, the exploding cigar gag is good. The uh-huh. chair gag is good. Yeah, I was going to ask you what your favorite like gag was. Uh, in the first half, that first half, it's the it's it's definitely the exploding cigar. I totally uh-huh. forgot. About it. Uh, there are yeah. things in the film I totally forgot about. Yeah, the severed uh, head, all that stuff. Did you forget? All that, yeah, all that yeah. good stuff. Yeah. yeah, but it's the the final half, final quarter of the film. I found myself, and, and this is my main question for you: is that is there a thing? Are is there such a thing as too many twists? Ooh, what a great question, Jeff. Uh, yes. Did you yes. find yourself with this film saying, okay, too many twists? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that was my, that would be probably my biggest beef with it is that, you know, it's like, okay, pick one. We're good. You know, like we don't need. Right. Let's go out. Let's go. And this film's a tight, I think it's 89 minutes, something along those lines yeah you know? it's and, real it's real short yeah yeah uh you know it, it's just like in in you know folks i won't give away everything but you know there's oh a, come on you're not gonna uh, get the spoiler okay all right yeah, okay, a little right, bit yeah. but yeah, you gotta watch it folks you gotta watch it there, there's there's like three twists like piled on each other basically yes um yes. and i mean they are just milking these things hard it, it makes me wonder about you know, my problem with something like Fincher's The Game, too, you know, which mm-hmm. it feels like it's kind of like, I don't know if I should feel insulted or I should, it's a fuck you or, you know what I mean? Like, it confuses me mm-hmm. when we have these many sort of really meta complicated twists thrown into these films. For those who don't know, in Fincher's The Game, it turns out that it was all all staged, all the game and when you watch the film again, you're like, come on. <laughs> so that how, I guess I don't I guess, care how rich someone is. Like yeah. that's this is a whole other like right. level of thing. Well, yeah. maybe that's why we have so many issues with multiple twists, because the, the more twists there are, the least the the less plausible it starts to feel, right? Like as a as an outcome, right? And it starts to feel like why couldn't the filmmakers just pick one? Why do they have to feel like they have to be like an extra layer clever, you know, because there's definitely like moments where you can have, you can have big twists and little twists. Right. But like, mm-hmm. these are big, like plot twists, right. This movie, um, you know, and, and it's not as savvy. I think it certainly inspires twists, uh, you know, that would come, past it like you know like something like scream or you right. know but Hitch, hitchcock was doing that shit too you know like the 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 little uh the little twists you know everywhere well so, but, you know a hitchcock twist is more so su- well one it's more subtle because he never showed you if it was violence that was the twist he never he sort of all he would shy away from it um you know of course the most infamous one being psycho in the you know in the shower scene right um but I mean, this one ends on a a a twist of violence, and I just I thought it was so. In retrospect, now I just I thought it was so silly. Like, why why this capper? You know why why didn't you go out on on the celebration of 
you know, the 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 friends and everything being in right. on it and they're you they're know. genu they're genuflecting right on the experience or the trauma, yeah. right? And you're like, this is an okay place to end it, right? I didn't need yeah. one more thing at the end, yeah. right? Is it um, that that is kind of symptomatic though hmm. of 80s horror from this particular era because you know i lump this movie in with like a series of other sort of um mid-level yeah yeah the mid-level i was gonna say b movie horror um that that really got um it, it had a, a a a gimmick to it right like so it's april fool's day right so it's based on like a holiday right so it's like my bloody valentine or happy birthday to me you know these movies right. that came out in the early <laughs> right. 80s that were all sort of stemming off of halloween right i mean just like branding the holiday you know right and and then you have sort of an instant kind of understanding of what the characters are what's going to happen in the in in the movie um but this is this is a really sort of wouldn't you say jeff that in in terms of violence and gore this is really not much at all no no not at all not at all and it's pretty tame i mean it's tame i think compared comparatively yeah it, it has there's a nice gag uh in the woods with the snake that i particularly enjoyed oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah you know yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty tense you know they yeah. set up some tense set pieces mm-hmm. um uh, here, the 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 initial one, uh, well, I guess it's the second one in the movie is the guy who gets crushed by the boat. I mean, that's that's pretty horrific and mm-hmm. pretty graphic. And, you know, that's a that's a good that's a good, you know, you come off finding out that they, they, they had the gag with the knife. And then this happens and the sheriff comes in and everybody's all serious and whatnot. You know? Right. Um, but but that's what I'm saying, too, this like you get a little fatigued after a while you know with 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 all of this and again this is a short film but you know by the final gag i was so fatigued by it i was just like whatever you know i did i just kind of i mean i it was coming and i was just kind of was just like okay well that's that's that then okay let me make my notes here but it it it, it was reminiscent to me of going for and in speaking back to what you were taught what we were just discussing about why go to the extent of the final gag that they have i'm like well it's the friday the 13th formula mm-hmm. right it's not enough you know or or carrie you know carrie's mom has to reach her hand out of the grave and jason has to jump out of the lake and drag her on and you know all of this and i just so there's two so there's two ways to look at that right metaphorically we could say um evil never dies right you could look at it from that sort of critical analytical standpoint right and then the other sort of cynical business side says you gotta have something there because um there has to be a sequel you know there has to be you want you want the kids on their way out right right you know leave them talking about something right yeah i i mean i get that I, I totally, I totally get it. So that's, I mean, you know, um, whether that's, um, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. It's, it's probably a, uh, I guess it's fair to say that it's a, a pretty common staple in the genre that you're going to have at least one to two twists in a, in a horror mystery, which is kind of, this is kind of a, 
I mean, it's funny, but if you don't think that the gags are funny, then you're not going to see the comedy. Um, so it's going to be more of a mystery. It's like, why is this? Mm-hmm. Why is she staging all of these things? You know, like, uh, what's the point? Um, and so to me, the movie kind of becomes like this. I, it's it's one of the reveals at the end. And mm-hmm. and I won't say it because it is one of the big reveals. But when they reveal those um that particular uh, identity, yes, um, I I that's when I just went, uh, what my hands were over the air. I'm like, it was what? it was sleep. It, it was, was such it a Scooby Doo. It was such a Scooby Doo yeah. ending. Like you know, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a sleepaway camp situation. <laughs> yes, yes, <It's> like. <laughs> I but but it's so but if you really want a taste and 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 a flair for what eighties horror like that but that this yes. is a great example right of yeah um of what you're saying like mid range or like B movie kind of stuff in the eighties that we as teenagers like discovered on the video shelves and on cable and I mean mm-hmm. you know and sort of it's it's hung around I wonder I have not done any looking into this but I wonder if there's any sort of fan base groups and at big horror conventions if there's anybody from oh i'm sure these i, I gotta believe that shows up you know uh fred walton you know did um when a stranger calls and th- yes. those those movies are great right so i you know i he's a certainly um you know a seasoned director and the movie is paced really well like you were saying well, i was gonna say too the movie the, is really good yeah you know all everyone brings their a game like yeah. these young folk, these young actors, even Jill commented on that. You know, she said, she says, everybody just is doing really well. And I'm like, actually, with the material they have, they are doing really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, Amy Steele is really good in this movie. Uh, she she did a few other things in the 80s that were pretty, 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 pretty decent B movie uh, fodder. And, um, you know, of course, uh, Biff from Back to the Future is Seth Wilson is in this movie too uh it's fun to see these folks you know in in roles that are outside of something that's you know iconic like back to the future but um but yeah it's it's worth a watch i i found it on pluto for free did you is where did you i did as well okay it's it's currently on pluto tv if you you have to just do some commercials but you'll be fine yeah yeah i was gonna say it's probably uh, tack on an extra 10 minutes or so for the movie because you had to sit through some ads but it's um, it was it was good quality and uh yeah it was it was fun to revisit it and I I actually Jeff I I probably should have given you more street cred but I when you suggested that as a counter it was a great idea but I was like oh my god Jeff has seen April Fool's Day like what because I don't I don't think of you okay as being a horror person first right I know it's right. not your favorite genre right so right so I should assume that if it's horror pre-90s that you've probably seen it oh yeah Okay. Yeah. But at, post not post nineties, it's up in the air, right? Uh it's come on, very, come on, be real, be real, be real. Own no, it. no, 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 no. It's here and there. I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, look, on my sh- Candyman's on my shelf. Uh in the mouth of madness is on my shelf. Nice, so I mean nice, I can't nice. I can't say I can't say that it doesn't happen. But I, I will say that I, I I worked my way out of it. Like I was, I watched it. Like it was a bad, like a bad relationship. You know, you can only, you can only watch Joe Bob Briggs so often. <laughs> I love Joe Bob Briggs. He's great. I'm not saying I don't love Joe Bob Briggs. I'm just saying like that's, this is. 12 head kills. 
Yeah, we got we got thirteen <laughs> kills. Two ladies' underwear. <laughs> you know. I mean, we we really did grow up with some demented uh, shows and stuff like that. You know, I was trying to explain MST three thousand to uh, to a bunch of students the other day. They had never heard of it. They didn't know anything they about it. They did reboot like never. They just uh, they wow. were just completely unaware of what this was. You know, and I was showing them the old school MST three thousand, and I was like, they they were just kind of looking at it like this was funny to y'all. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it was kind of hit or miss, but this was like our YouTube, right? We could put this on in oh, the yeah. background and tune in and out and come back and pay attention to it. But, but I'm like, yeah, I said, it's a great concept, right? It's these guys banished in space and I'm, they're forced, I'm, forced to I watch bad to, movies. <laughs> I tried to never miss a Saturday morning. It would run on Saturday mornings uh, on the old comedy channel before it yeah. became comedy central. Uh, and I, I loved it, but I can, I get their beef. I mean, I, I, I get it. it. It's a different pace. It's a it different is. style of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, although I find it very amusing seeing that they like to watch people watch play video games, which just it's just it, yeah, it's so similar. And and even on TikTok, the way they will stitch themselves into scenes from movies and and the way that they'll comments on you know the characters or the situation from the movie scene that they're stitching themselves into. It's so mm-hmm. they're doing it, it's just in really more technologically meta-narrative ways, right? It's just it's fascinating. Or we can stop giving them so much credit <laughs> for reinventing the wheel. Uh, you know, little column A, little column B. I'll just leave it at that, yeah. everyone, before yeah. we get into it. Well, that was April Fool's Day, 1986. Uh, we are lonely PhD. Yeah. We are lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Hazes, Dr. Joseph Watson. I will get back into the rapper again. This is episode two of season three. I'm still feeling a little... Uh, Rusty, a little salty, a little rusty. Uh, as it were, up next, totally 2023 film directed by Nanachka Khan. And I turn things over to you, sir, because you were the one who pointed me towards this movie. Well, I got hype for this movie, and uh the trailer was uh was cut together very well. It um uh, that's I think I think I was initially enticed by the concept. So uh, the story goes uh, when the infamous Sweet 16 killer returns 35 years later after his first murder spree to claim another victim, a 17 year old Jamie uh, accidentally travels back in time to 1987 determined to stop the killer before he can start. So. Uh, right off the bat from the plot, you can see that there's a lot of appeals here to nostalgic culture, right? With the story right. and the setup, right? So I think that's really what enticed me at first. I was like, okay, cool. This could be kind of a fun little meta ride, like, and let's see how they sort of re-envision these kinds of moments from the movies that they're picking and popping from. Um, I, I, I think that time travel movies always have one problem and that's the science of time travel <laughs> that's the one thing that uh the lead that... with that <laughs> <laughs> i mean so uh so so let's set that you know on the table but we can push it to the side for a moment but it's always going to be there right i just have to be real about it so um let's assume that you accept the conceit of this movie right and you're right there with them right and you're traveling back in time uh, through a photo booth 
that's become a time machine and you and not a DeLorean, right? So you're you're going through a photo booth and uh you end up back in 1987. Um I liked the way this movie sort of addressed the whole instead of Marty meeting his mother and father, it was, you know, a a woman meeting her mother and father. And so I thought that it made the mother daughter dynamic much more interesting. Right. And, um, uh, and being able to shift perspective like that was a really nice sort of reinvention touch, right. To, um, to that kind of back to the future trope that they're playing off of, uh, in terms of their sort of homages, uh, to other horror films, I thought it was kind of a, Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. I think, to be honest with you, this film really kind of falls apart in the middle of the second act. Um, uh, yes. It's it's at that party um, where we've gotten out of the first act. We're kind of introducing the, the conflicts and the struggles and how are we going to, you know, how is she going to navigate 1987 knowing what she knows? And I, I think I was expecting a little more comedy than I was the mm-hmm. serious attempts that they tried to be at scary and mm-hmm. um you know some of the choreographed mm-hmm. fight sequences were pretty intense they were pretty intense and I'm like uh you know I I, I so I, I just thought it raises interesting questions about the limits of horror comedy and when, uh, it stops becoming parody and when it starts trying to be its own thing. And right. I think that's what this film struggles with is because it wants to be both and it doesn't really understand how to navigate balancing those two mm-hmm. wishes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it leans on the nostalgia at the wrong times and then tries to be itself at the wrong times as well when it should be leaning on nostalgia. So I, I, I and maybe that was all purposeful and and it, the attempt is just to break the model and and you know okay cool that was just an experiment then and it just didn't really work for me. Um, but there was a lot about it that I did like, but overall, you know, I was I was left kind of unsatisfied. I thought it could yeah. have been could have been a lot better than it than it was. I mean, yeah. how do you feel about? It? Oh no, absolutely. And and I'll tell you right now, one thing that bugged me was the uh, the same thing that bugs me still in Back to the Future is just like, you mean teenagers are horny? You know, I, I'm like, why is a teenager surprised that teenagers that want to other fuck? teenagers are horny? Right. I mean, I, I mean, I right. guess it's I I do understand I mean, the whole the mom oh and my dad God, that was my like, dad. Yeah, but 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 yeah, like but. everybody else. Like, you know, I mean, I'm just like, why are you, why are you surprised? By like, why do you think it's weird that, that a boy or a girl in 1987 would want to hit on me? Right. If I'm the same right. age going back. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, that, that's not, that's not, it shouldn't be awkward and it shouldn't be uh, weird, but it is for some reason. Maybe that's a generational humor thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Does, does the film spend too much time also with you know our 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 main character uh uh jamie um making social commentary like every fucking five minutes yeah like yeah one of the things that i thought was really interesting um jeff about the movie and i'm i need to go back and watch it you know again especially some scenes where they were specifically addressing these particular topics but the final girl is a trope in horror yes. film, right? That, um, you know, that theorizes it, it comes from Carol Clover, who was a feminist. Film wonderful, scholar. wonderful book. 
Yeah, it's it's great. Um, and and her theory is uh, has been very sound for horror for the last 30, 40 years, right? Um, and uh, it, it theorizes that a a final girl, the, the is going to be a woman left fighting the uh the evil at the end of a film, and uh, the woman is going to triumph, and then there's sort of uh some other characteristics about the the woman final girl um they are supposed to be uh virginal pure you know and that makes them stronger and you know um able to overcome the evil all of this is of course theory and it's good fodder to discuss but i think in the context of totally killer i think that uh the final girl is something that is you know getting kind of played upon and uh, and mm-hmm. and and hinted at um but i was left thinking well if there if there was a reinvention of the final girl in this movie i missed it because what i what i saw was that they spent more time as you mentioned in the social commentary moments mm-hmm. of which they used to i feel like always address the final girl's role in the horror genre right and some of the most awkward moments were when um for example one of one of the girls, of course, in 1987 is killed, and it, and it's this running gag in the in the movie. Oral sex is a running gag. Oh, the BJ thing. The, the, yes, the, the BJ Bartles thing. and James yes. gag. Yeah. Bartles, not Bartles and James wine coolers. Although those were brought up in the, and I did laugh pretty hard at that because we we all stole some B and J coolers at some point and 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 drank illegally. But um, the it's a joke about the oral sex stuff as well, which plays back to the sexual purity of the final girl right but this so this one girl had died and they're having this discussion about well she only wasn't there she only left because she doesn't enjoy giving oral sex and just think if it had been the opposite she'd still be alive and 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 jamie says something to the extent of like let's not reduce it down to that single thing right Right. And, and so that you know that's that's a direct social commentary on the final girl right and so mm-hmm. things like that are where i think the film is interesting but mm-hmm. um i needed some more balance in terms of where that's placed and put and um a little bit more superstructure to the whole thing because the 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 second act it just started to just fall apart and then by the third act i was going wow there is a lot going on in this movie and yes. um how are they going to wrap all this up oh they're going to do it just like that and it was a little yeah. too it, it was a little too oh by the way this is a comedy ha, ha, ha. we just we can't take ourselves right we gotta serious, tag this on too seriously end. right 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 um i felt like i felt like too like the final line could have been something also like borrowed from from something like you know i don't know something like you know predator like johnson you son of a bitch <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, something right to right to, to indicate the 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 silliness because you know and coming back to the science, we could tie in the philosophy here. The, you know, the idea that if you, as they explain it, if you traveling in a river and you get off on the banks and you go uh, up river and you get back in the river, uh, I was like, I was like, okay, okay. okay. Um, wow. So what does that change? Right. What kind of ripples does that create? Right. This is a, you know, if there's well, any. And their, and their theory even extends to that you wouldn't dis if your parents were killed you would still exist just no one would know you and i was like wait a, wait a second wait what <laughs> i, I because, don't you know back to the future i think takes a, a really conservative stance on it right and just kind of says look whatever you do 
the slightest thing is going to alter everything. And right. um, this film seems to want to ignore that part of the philosophy or the science, right? It just wants mm-hmm. to do its own thing. And, and that's where, I don't know, maybe it worked well, for it some could, people. It, it did not more, work for me. But it could have been more fun. Yes, they could if have they done more with it. Yeah. Leaned into yeah. it, you know. Um, how do you rate the mask? I gave it a 10 out of 10. Really? You didn't like really? the Really? You like the mask it out? was I, like I did. It was as if somebody had taken a mold of James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek I and and made him into a Max Headroom kind of uh mold. Uh it was not scary to me. That did not work for me. Nope. Okay. Sorry. All Sorry. right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. As far as the twists in this film goes, how how do you feel about it? I mean, I know it still falls apart for it, but yeah, I think I think a little crammed. Uh, yeah, I think well, uh, well, to me, one of them was just really obvious, right? And it was only a matter of time. And I don't know if that's just because I've seen way too many of these movies or whatever, but so there, you know, the, the, the likelihood that I'm predicting it is pretty high, right? That it's going to go down that way. But the the um. So the podcast character, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. The podcast character, right? When he goes into the whole like, you know, I created Michael Myers, right? And he he does this whole that I saw coming, and I didn't really want it to happen, but I could see it coming because it's it's a throwback to a real big shift that happened in horror uh, in the mid 2010s, and that was the shift to focusing on post traumatic horror, right? Yes. And like what kinds of horrors are created from the tragic event itself, right? You know, uh, either within an individual that experienced the trauma or an individual who wants to sensationalize the trauma, right? Um, and so I saw that twist coming. And so that well, here, wasn't a huge reveal for me, but yeah. Here they decide to 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 humorize PTSD through dodgeball. Do you, you know? I wanted to ask you about that. Sure. Do you remember dodgeball being that intense i just don't remember it being that intense i mean always laid back did we did we did we try sure but were we trying to like break people's noses no i just i i that that sort of like i don't know why that's become a trope but it's almost like in every high school movie yeah. yeah that there's a dodgeball scene or there's some sort of pe scene where there's some sort of like awkwardness between someone's athleticism and someone else's lack of. Right. And it's just, um, it's becoming a, a worn down trope in my opinion. Um, uh, and, and when you, when you toss in the 1987 with it, I'm just like, it well, you know, that really, that's the misrepresentation. It was not like that. I mean, that's otherwise the whole movie dodge ball would not be funny. <laughs> <laughs> because we'd all be suffering from post-traumatic horror and yeah, it, don't. i don't know i apologize to you all if that was your lived experience and you had awful dodgeball yeah. experiences and your nose was broken or something i apologize but that was not my lived experience so, that yeah. was not mine either mine either Trust <laughs> me, I, got, I had i had things broken in football i didn't i didn't need dodgeball to to hurt me right. uh, uh with those things <laughs> oh boy what a <laughs> What a what a male thing of me to say. That's right. You're coming at that like Kenny Powers, you know, like I'm not trying to be the best <laughs> at exercising. I play real sports. Yeah, yeah. I play real. <laughs> or the old joke about baseball, uh, you know, John Crux saying that uh, he was approached by a woman. And she says, uh, uh, you're a, uh, an athlete, aren't you? He goes, no, ma'am, I'm a baseball player. <laughs> 
differentiates it greatly. And now I just felt everyone turn the podcast off for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. We um, kid, we kid, we kid. Yeah. I, I love Julie Bowen in this movie. Yeah. She's um, great. she is, she's great. And I thought it, that first fight scene with her, I thought we were going to get something a little bit different. I was, I, I got excited there for a minute. I was like, Oh wow, we're going somewhere different. Like yeah. right away. And I was like, here we go. But then again, we just, you know, just falls back on itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, it, and, and what I mean for our audience, when you, when you see it, you know, there's fight choreography and something like scary movie. Right. Yes. But it's very cartoonish and it's very sort of slapstick over the top. Right. Yeah. This these, is Kill Bill. These, these fights are like Kill Bill, Born Identity, kind of like, you know, speed and like precision and knife stabs and all. I mean, it's, it's, it's actiony. Right. So um, I read uh, uh, one piece on it uh, that was pretty complimentary, but they, they were talking about this idea of fusion horror, which. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't heard that term before, um, but I thought it was interesting, um, you know, uh, that it's that it's horror, but it's fusing all these other genres, including action adventure and all these other kinds of things. And I went, well, if we are on the cusp of creating some sort of new subgenre and please, God, let us be on the cusp of discovering some new genre. Oh, then there's, so. then there's yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done right uh, in 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 the fusion horror realm. But uh, but uh, I, I did want to ask you this because it came up in conversation with the students. Um, we were talking about horror comedy because uh, The Blackening is another movie that, that came out, that's come out uh, this year. That's very funny, and it works for me on a lot of levels. And so we were talking about horror comedy in general with the students I was. And um, some of the students felt like it uh, that horror comedy has exhausted itself. Mm -hmm. And especially recently, and I said, I made the point, and let's see if you agree with me on this. I said, you know, my experience has been that when horror comedy is on the rise, and really it's comedy within any genre, right? So if you're your scary movies, but also your naked guns, or your, you know, like if you're seeing like this sort of explosion in, in comedy within a genre it usually means that the tropes of that genre, at least as they currently exist, are really worn out. And so people are resorting to spoofing it because there's nothing else on the idea list at this point, right? So it's easier to um, to create a parody than it is to invent something new. Um, and so I, the, the question was, where are we on the cusp in horror? What What is the next sort of groundbreaking thing and you know there's a lot of discussion about a24 and I, I keep trying to remind them that a24 is just a distributor yes <laughs> they, yeah um but i get it they've done excellent branding uh but um but that you you really need to point at directors or writers or people who are trying to to really kind of push the genre into new directions and so um I don't know. Is horror comedy back because we're experiencing a transitional lull in the horror field, or what? What do you think about that? No, I, I don't think it's back. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you know such a small sample size can give us quite exactly what you're what you're getting at. Um, if if anything, horror itself has had a resurgence and uh, since the pandemic. Right. So you know, in in the 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 post Trump presidency, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's really blossomed into something else, and we've even seen the reinvigoration of 
uh, franchises, Halloween, Evil Dead, mm-hmm. uh, The Exorcist now. The Exorcist, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, so if anything, it's stronger than ever. I, I, I don't, you know, horror comedy is, is so hard. <laughs> it's just so hard, as you're pointing out. It I is. Mean, you know what's what's the balance and when we when we talked about the original evil dead on this show the one thing we pointed out was that it was not a horror comedy evil dead 2 is a horror comedy this evil dead the original is a straight up horror film that's right i mean it, it is ghastly that's right um, you know they didn't bring slapstick and three stooges shit into it until evil dead 2 and evil right. dead you know, Evil Dead 3 doesn't even count. Like, you know, Army <laughs> of Darkness is not a horror. It, it's just a straight up comedy. Yep. <laughs> it's an action comedy. Yeah. Like it's as, it's as it's it's as mainstream a film as it can be. Yeah, I think I think, too, that it was the most profitable. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, of 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 them at the time of, of the franchise, it was the most popular. So, yeah, I I um I don't know. I just think it's I. I think it's interesting. And of course, we're just talking about films, right? I know there's a ton of like episodic content out there, but we, That's you know, we're we're talking about just movies. And so um, yeah, I mean, of course, it, it's also interesting to have the discussion in the middle of October when we're getting horror like, you know, marketed to us like everywhere, right? So it's fresh on everybody's minds, which means that uh, that's really when you're gonna have the predominant amount of of stuff that's released um so you know shout out to to john carpenter uh his suburban screams uh episodic show uh premieres tomorrow on peacock um and that's uh october 13th yeah yeah oh sorry thank you for that yes um the uh uh first time he's been back in the director chair for quite a few years so years uh so i'm i'm gonna be interested to tune into that um he also uh, just he, put out another album of uh, just came out. Last he week. did. And let me tell you, man, there are a few tracks on there that are fire. Like they just I mean, they they really did re uh, sort of rekindle a lot of those old tunes and restructure them in some really neat ways. So if you're familiar with the original score and you listen to the remasters, it's it's really nice the way they've tinkered with it and made it really cool. So but yeah, it's it's this month, man. Uh, Thirty-one days of horror. You know, I'm watching at least one horror film a day. And uh, what's, just, what's uh, today's film? What's the twelfth? Uh, today's the twelfth. What do you today got? is the twelfth. Let me look up in the book here because I think it may be Halloween five because I did Halloween four last night. Yes. Tonight is Halloween five, and that's where I take a break from Halloween yeah. and do uh, some Wes Craven films. So okay. we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna go back to Serpent and the Rainbow. We're gonna do Deadly Friend. Um, we're gonna do uh, Shocker. Remember that? Oh my one? goodness! I remember yeah, Shocker. yeah, yeah. So I like, yeah. I mean, I like to dig uh, deep. I did some earlier in the month. I did a few early Romeros, uh, Season of the Witch, and um, one called Bruiser, which is really good from Romero. Romero did Jeff George Romero did so many really good movies that were just very slick. You know, so he's going to get an episode. We're going to do he, a Romero. Yeah, he was just way ahead of his time. So we do need to dedicate it an episode to him so but anyway Absolutely. i digress i digress it's october it's my favorite month of the year so well we give you we we give you pardon sir since it is your favorite month 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank yes. you. If you want to get in touch with us, you can a number of ways. You can email us lonelyphds at gmail.com or you can click on the show notes to our Discord where we uh, keep the conversations going, post stuff, and just, uh, you know, love talking about film because that's what we do. That's what we do for a living. And until next time, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. I'm Dr. Joseph Watson. We'll see you then. Thank you.